Welcome to Discover. We're glad you joined us today on our sermon podcast. Be sure to check us out online at discovercc.org. Today we are in a sermon series called God is for You, Eight Ways Jesus Shows He is for People. Here's our lead minister, Steve Murphy. As Michael said, we're in a new series today, and it's called God is for You. God is for you. It's a message each of us need to hear individually, but also that the world needs to hear. So if you have a Bible, I would ask you to turn to John chapter 4. We're going to be in this series all the way through Easter as we unpack eight different ways that Jesus demonstrates he is for people. Before we start into that, I want to have a quick quiz. And we're going to do, um, I want you to just think about this, and I want you to say the answers out loud, all right? So we're going to see uh, who has more Instagram followers. Some of you I know right now are just going to Instagram and you're going online and you're seeing who has the most. Don't do that because that would be cheating. We don't want you to do that. Okay. So uh, afterwards you can check this. This As of March 6th, this is supposed to be accurate. So between these two, between Ohio State football and Michigan football, between their official Instagram accounts, who has more followers, Ohio State or Michigan? If you said Ohio State, you're right. Michigan has 226,000. Ohio State has 615,000. Go Bucks. How about this one? Kim Kardashian or Michelle Obama? I don't care what your political view is. This is a little sad. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Michelle Obama has 27 million. That's a lot. Kim Kardashian has 133 million followers. All right. What about Nike or National Geographic? Whoever said National Geographic, you are right. Wow, isn't that surprising? Nike has nine, or sorry, 85 million. National Geographic has 102 million. LeBron James or Cristiano Ronaldo? All the young people said Ronaldo because they know it's true. LeBron James, 47 million. That's a lot. Cristiano Ronaldo is the number one Instagram. He has the most number of Instagram followers, 157 million. Number one. If you didn't know what he does, he plays football, meaning soccer, all right? He's the the biggest in the world. But really, this is the most important one. Who has more Instagram followers, Steve Murphy or Jordan Tuttle? Sorry, Jordan, you have more than I do. As of March 6th, you had 403 and I had 243. So, just so you know. I haven't even posted on Instagram for like 12 years. I don't even know what, whoever is following me, I don't know. I'm going to start doing that again to let all those 243 people have a better day. My goal is Ronaldo, in case you were just wondering. You know, the number of Instagram followers in some kind of weird way indicates how popular you are, Um, right? I mean, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, that person's real. I want to follow them. I don't know what they're talking about. Today, we're going to find a woman who is incredibly unpopular. And she encounters Jesus. And what happens in that encounter? So we're going to be in, again, John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4. This is a long text. There's a lot in here, though. So just dig in and listen to the story. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate 
with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her jar of water, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And jump down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. May your Holy Spirit help us to understand and apply it today. We come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's so much stuff in this, in this passage that God can talk to us about. Important conversations, things that God wants to speak with us about. In fact, one of them is the idea of important conversations. What we talked about last week, it's really important for us to talk with people about significant things. And we see that Jesus does that again here today, just like he did with Nicodemus last week. Or maybe God is speaking to us. In fact, I know God is speaking to us about the challenge that's going on in this text racially. That the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. They do not like each other. 
And Jesus is here to break down those barriers. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be the people who are most open to other people who are, quote, unlike us. It's important for us to tear down racial stereotypes, racial barriers, and just love people the way that Jesus would. You also get a a really important concept in here about worship. That when we worship God, we do that not just with a little bit of us. God is looking for people who worship in spirit and in truth. And we can apply that to what we just did here earlier as we sang. And we, we should be giving God praise, not just from our lips, but from our hearts. But it's not just when we get together on a Sunday and sing songs. That's just part of our worship. Our worship is daily offering ourselves back to God on the altar, as Romans 12 talks about. It's our spiritual act of worship to be in his presence all the time. God's talking to us about what living water really is and the idea that so many people are drawing from the wrong well and they're never going to be satisfied until they find Jesus, the living water. We see here that Jesus says he is the Savior. We need to recognize that, that every person who believes this has the relationship with God that they can be saved. And again, we saw that last week with Nicodemus. And really last week, that story showed us that no matter how high you've become in your profession or how highly regarded you are, no one is above the need for salvation. And really this week, when Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, he helps her to see that no one is beneath the opportunity to come to God, that everyone has worth, not of our own, but because of who God made us to be and who he can make us to be. This is really a story of connection. That's what I want to dig into here. This woman is connected with Jesus. This is a woman who is well-known, and she is unpopular. She's disliked just in a general sense, by Jews, as the text said. They don't even like each other. They don't even get together. They despise each other. She's been rejected by the women of the village, of this town. She's had five husbands. She's living with a guy now. She's not exactly popular with the other ladies. And so when they come in the morning to draw their water in the cool of the day and they come as a group and they're talking and fellowshipping and enjoying life, she stays alone, isolated. And she comes in the heat of the day at noon by herself so that she doesn't have to deal with what they're going to give her. She also would have a a very bad reputation among the rabbis who set a maximum of three husbands in a lifetime. That was the total max you could have. She's obviously well above that. So she's not a popular person. This precious soul that Jesus loves 
She has a broken past and she is a broken person. Imagine, imagine if we could hear what she is thinking. I'm a woman, no distinction, of little importance. I'm a woman, I have no reputation, say that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't take the time to really look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what's the point of doing them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. But to see all that I am and all that I could be, my hopes, dreams, and fears. But that's too much to hope for, to wish for, to pray for. So I don't. Not anymore. So I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain that keeps me in my own private jail. The pain that brings me alone at midday to this well. To ask of a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman, unclean, shamed, used, abused, an outcast, a failure, a sinner. And no drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now. But you don't. You're a man of no distinction, none of the utmost importance. You're a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me what all those glances have been about. Yet you really look at me. But don't get to know me, because to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me. You actually know me. You know everything about me. Every thought inside, every hair on the top of my head, every hurt stored up, every hope and dread. From my past and from my future, all I am and could be. You tell me everything. You tell me about me. Those words spoken by another would be bring hate and condemnation. But coming from you, they bring love, joy, hope, mercy, salvation. I've heard that there's one to come that would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say, I am here. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to this is way too much for me. Let me run back to town. There are others who need to hear this. Brothers, sisters, lovers. Haters, good, bad, the sinners and saints. Who should hear of what you told me? Who should see what you have shown me? Who should taste what you gave me? Who should feel how you forgave me? For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this. We all do for our own. So this woman felt the painful, consistent rejection. The constant reminder that people are against me. She even felt like I'm against myself. Who am I? I'm broken. I'm sinful. I'm stuck. I'm a failure. 
And you imagine that if she realizes that people are against her, she's against herself, she probably believes God is against me as well. And then God enters her life. People talked about her. Jesus talked with her. What about us? If a person is marginalized or rejected or not in my group, do I talk about them? Or do I pray for them and talk with them? See, talking about someone is really easy to do. And it's destructive. And it's straight from the devil, our enemy. Talking with someone, that's harder most of the time. But it's certainly more beneficial. And it's from God, our Father. We need to grasp this. The shift from about to with can change a person forever. God is... Emmanuel, when he comes to earth, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. In John chapter 1, it talks about when Jesus came to this earth, he came to be with us. He lived among us. In verse 4, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, from a strictly physical standpoint, it was the most direct route to go through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. So he had to go through Samaria to get to Jerusalem is one way we could look at that. And there's truth to that. But what if the reason he had to go through Samaria was because he had to have a direct route to her? I think if he was going to go all the way down through Samaria, he wouldn't have stopped at this well. He didn't stop there so that he could rest and the disciples could go get food, although those things happened. Jesus stopped because he knew this woman was going to be coming. And this day was a divine appointment for her. And so. He went directly to her, to be with her, to change her life. The power of connection leads to the power of change. It's easy to see this woman as a bad example, a stained, broken person. And honestly, she was. She was all that. But we also see that God created her to be intelligent, 
curious, spiritually focused. God loved her and began to change her life. See, God's able not only to see people for who they are, but for who they can become. Jesus met her in the present where she was. Jesus always does that. He goes out of his way to connect with the people that are disconnected. That's why our vision statement says, we want to reach into our local and our global community. We are here to love people right where they are, to meet them there. And when Jesus met with her, he addressed her past. He didn't dismiss her sinful lifestyle, but you know, he didn't beat her up over it either. He understood that this sinful behavior was born out of her need for relationship, her desire to have a connection with someone who truly cared about her. And he was going to provide that and provide something better. So we imitate Jesus together. We, we come back to him. We follow him together because no matter where we are, God has something better for us. God has a place he wants us to move to. He has a place he wants us to grow to. See, Jesus met her in her present and, and talked about her past, but he pointed her to a future that was better. And when you believe you are who God says you are, and you embrace the life that God has for you, then your future will be better. This is God in the flesh giving this woman value, just as he does for each of us. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about God showing his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, and providing new life and grace and kindness for us. We're going to see this whole principle lived out in each of these stories of Jesus saying, God is for you. And he's really going to live it out very strongly in a few weeks when we look at John chapter 8. And as I look at this story, I have to ask myself, are there people that I have written off? You know, because they look a certain way or they think a certain way. They vote a certain way. They act a certain way. Have we decided that, no, that person is beyond God's love. That person's beyond God's grace. And I certainly don't need to love them and show them grace either. I mean, we might not say it out loud, but we think God isn't really for that person. He's just not. Or maybe the person that you think God is really not for is you. And there's something that you've done or something that's been done to you some difficulty or challenge that you faced or are currently facing, or just life. Whatever it is, whether you're in this room or listening to us online, 
you're thinking God is against me. You're convinced of it. And if that's you, please, please hear these words, this truth, and embrace it. God is for you. Believe it. The world speaks lies to us, but God speaks truth. The world says you are unlovable. There's something wrong with you. And God says you are unconditionally loved. The world can say you're hopeless. But God says there is an endless hope available for you. The world tells us you're worthless. But God says you are worth more than anything in creation. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, created, loved, completely imperfect, but so highly valued. God is for you. He proved it and continues to prove it in so many ways. But especially on the cross. God looks at you and says, you know what? You are to die for. God is for you. We sang the words earlier from Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, no one. No one. Today is a divine appointment. God is speaking with you and saying, I love you. You are valuable. I am for you. God wants to change your life. And maybe you're not really sure what that even means. We would love to talk with you. Find somebody this week and just begin to unpack that. Let them meet you and just talk and pray and share God's truth of your value. Because God is for you. You need to believe that. And once we believe that, we need to share it. See, once this woman recognized and believed that God was for her, it changed everything, and she couldn't keep that good news to herself. She had to give it to other people. Her connection with Jesus led to other people being connected with Jesus. She was a follower and was helping others to become followers. That's why we duplicate this idea of reaching and loving and imitating Jesus together over and over and over because that's God's heart. Now, how did she do that? Did she have some big theological treatise that she wrote? Talk about all of these theological things, these really deep concepts. No. She shared her story. Her testimony was the thing 
that made them interested because they knew her before and they knew her after. And it was just her story, what Jesus has done for me. That's it. Now there's a place for deep theological discussions. Apologetics is really, really important. It really is. But the most compelling thing really is just our story. You know, and it's interesting in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you as followers, when you've given your life to me, when you've believed all of this about me, then you're going to share it. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses right here and throughout the region and throughout the entire world. And what did Jesus say we were going to be? We were going to be a witness. If you think about a courtroom, what does a witness do? They share what they've seen, what they've experienced, what they know. That's it. Jesus did not say, you will be my attorneys to the world. There's an important thing for that again, but Jesus said, you will be my witnesses And it says because of her testimony, her story. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. Share your story. Share what he's done for you. So this week, go out of your way and take a direct route to someone and talk with them a person that everyone else is talking about. And you might have a chance to share your story. 